All right, we're continuing our sermon series in the book of Colossians. We are on Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, and today we're looking at the will of God. Can you know the will of God for your life? Can you know the will of God for your life? What does God want you to do with the years and the days that he has given us? Is that something you've asked God for understanding and wisdom in? Is that something that we can know? That's what we're looking at today. There was a top 100 toy over the past 100 years, and the Magic 8 Ball made the list. In 1950s, they had this, um, it's a, a cue ball, uh, white and black. You shake it, and then there's a 20-sided die that floats to the top. And we'll answer whatever question that you have, whatever you need to know in the future. You shake it, it pops to the top. Now, we know that that is garbage. It's a toy. Nothing true about it. But it also points to the fact that we are hungry to know what is next. What does God have for us? What is His will? And the good news this morning is you can know exactly what God wants for your life. You can know His will. That's what you see in the text today. So, number one, number one, know the will of God. That's what we'll look in verse 9. And then verses 10 to 12 show us that we know God's will for the purpose of pleasing God. So, the urgency is that you please God with the life that He's given. Walk worthy of the Lord. Please Him in everything. And we know that knowing God's will and pleasing God all flow out of a changed identity. And that's where you see in verses 13 and 14, we've been transferred, rescued out of the dominion of darkness and placed into the kingdom of His Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sin. We can know the will of God and walk in a worthy manner because we have been rescued. If you have not been rescued, you cannot know the will of God for your life and you cannot please God. So the first step is to be rescued by Jesus. So right off the bat, you see this with verse 9. Let's read it. Know the will of God. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God. Now, we have prayer meeting on Wednesday. Let's see what they are going to pray for. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So right off the bat, to know the will of God, you need to request it. It's a prayer. Now, I brought out some copies of our, our bulletin. There's a prayer list on there. You guys see it, correct? The prayer list in the bulletin. We fill it up and we pray for one another. Now, what you will see on there, though, do you see any prayer for us to know the will of God? That God fills us with His wisdom to know His will and understanding and power to walk a life worthy of His calling. Well, maybe the newsletter, which is a bigger list. And listen, all of these things on this prayer list are good things to pray for. I'm not saying we take any of these off. I'm saying that we better put on some things that the Word of God encourages the church of God to be praying for. 
How awesome would it be to know that we have people praying for us to understand and know the will of God? I don't see it in here. But I think we will start doing that. Amen? I, I mean, let's request it. Let's ask. Because here's the cool part. It's implied in this text. You ask because you can receive. You ask because you can receive. And so I, I'm, I'm talking about requesting. This past Friday, we prayed for Holmes High School. Now listen, I don't want you to feel sorry for us. Don't do it. Just because we start school on Monday. I started to throw, to throw myself a pity party, and Julianne let me know that she was already having a pre-assessment. They're already on quizzes. We're just doing procedures. But Monday's our first day of school, and I'm talking with Conrad Krieger, our band director, and I asked him, what was he looking forward to this year? And he said, I don't know. I don't know about our, our band. We graduated a lot of seniors, a lot of talented musicians. I don't know what God has for us in band. And I said, well, what about chorus? He's like, same thing. I don't know who we'll have or, or what we'll do. And so in that, we prayed that Conrad would know what God has for him for this year. How many of you guys are looking at job options? Wouldn't it be nice for the church to pray for you to know God's will when considering a transfer of job? How about relationship status? That's one thing I know my mom and my wife's mother prayed continually for. For future spouses, I pray that for our girls, that they will know God's will for their lives. What about this church? What about Oakland Avenue? We need to send a team there. Is it God's will that some of you go and help with that team? Are we asking God to show us his will? How about reaching the city of Covington? How about using the resources that he's given us? Let's ask to know the will of God for one another. Amen? Number one, request. Amen? Amen? All right, I was getting a little nervous here. I know it's a little warm in here. Request, number two, is realize. Not only do we ask for God's will, but we can also know God's will. We can realize it. That's why Paul was praying for this church. It's not this, this uh, pie-in-the-sky dream. He's praying it so the church in Colossae knows it. And you and I can know the will of God. As a, a matter of fact, we can know a few things about the will of God. Did you know it is God's will for you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? That is God's will for your life, beyond a shadow of a doubt. We know that. Why? Because it's in his word. Matthew 22, 37 and 38, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That is God's will for your life. Do you love Jesus more than anything this world has to offer? That's his will for you. What's another part of God's will for your life? Well, we know that it's God's will for us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Same passage. Next verse, Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? You, you see, first century thought they were doing it, but they didn't realize who their neighbor was. But we know that this is God's will. Love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Next, we know that it's God's will for us to repent of our sin and be saved. You don't have to guess. Does God want you to be saved? He does. That's his will for your life. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, 
but everyone to come to repentance. That's His will for your life. Turn from your sin. Trust in Him for salvation. We know God's will for us is to be sanctified. We can rest assured that God's will will never include you to sin. He's called us to holiness. Sanctified is a, a big word that we see in the Bible, but this is what it means. That you and I look more and more like Jesus. We see this in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. That'll preach right there. In our day and time, where we see this all around, we know that it's God's will to avoid that, to live a holy life, a life set apart for the purpose of pleasing the Lord. We read on in 1 Thessalonians that, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject human beings, but God the very God who gives you the Holy Spirit. We also know that it's God's will for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to guess. The Holy Spirit will convict you of what is right and what is wrong and what step to take. You see this in Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. And listen, I know I'm moving fast, but I would love for you to get these verses, to get these passages, to wrap your mind and your heart around them. This is God's will for your life and for my life. To love God with everything we got. To love our neighbor as we love ourselves. To be saved. To turn from sin and repent. To love them. To be saved. To repent. Pretty simple, isn't it? They've been already knew that. Well, let's, let's keep going. To be filled with the Spirit. You see that in Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Pretty simple. You can realize the will of God for your life, and all of those are included. Something simple, I think, that, that shows us, that illustrates this point, is our football team. We had an injury this past uh, week, this past Friday. Guy comes out, guy goes in, and he forgot his wristband. You're like, well, what's a wristband? He just needs a helmet and shoulder pads. Yes, but the wristband's helpful. You see, what happens on offense is our offensive coordinator will yell out a play number, the guys will look at their wristband, find that number, and know exactly what the play is and exactly what to do. And they don't have to guess. The problem is, on this past Friday night, we had a guard that guessed. Hop yells out, it's third and short, pretty important play. Coach Hop, our offensive coordinator, yells out, 47, 47. And it's the job of the quarterback to yell to the right and to yell to the left. Well, the problem is our left guard didn't hear it. And you can see him look at the wristband, look down. Look at the wristband, look down. Look at the wristband, look down. And I can see the panic start to grow. He gets down in the stance. And I'm thinking, I wonder if he knows the play. Well, play 47 is a freeze. We're trying to get the defense to jump off sides. The play is nobody move. Well, our left guard decides he's just going to take a step. He's walking by faith, not by sight. Has no idea what the play is. Boom, pops up. And he realizes his mistake when he looks back and nobody else moved. He didn't know the play. He had no idea what to do. But you know what? A lot of times, we in the church do the same thing. If you don't know the will of God, how do you know what to do? 
God's not going to let you guess. He has given us the play number. We can know his will. We can realize his will. But then you also have to understand it's not because we think it up or hope for it. It's because we rely on the Holy Spirit. This is very, very important. You see this in Ezekiel 36 to 27. 36 to 27. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You see this in the second part of this verse in verse 9. Understanding that the spirit gives. The wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. So when you come to Christ, he sends his spirit to guide us. The word of God and the spirit of God enable the people of God to know the will of God. It's not an imagination, it's not dreams, it's not some vision. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God will help us know the will of God. Don't guess. Don't guess. I'll give you a, a couple of examples of this. Here's a good warning at this point. Many times we want to know the will of God as long as it aligns with our will. As long as God's going to give us something favorable, we'll do what God says. But when you look at the will of God for Paul's life, that's tough. Would you do what God called Paul to do if you were Paul? You talk about suffering, thrown in prison, beaten, forgotten, beheaded. Would you want to do that? You would if you're filled with the Spirit. And so we go through, and, and it reminds me of our, our one-year-old. There for a while, we were at a tough stage. We got the solid food, finally, and we're feeding carrots. And so we, we cut it up, give it to her after warming it up in the microwave. She gets it in her mouth and then boop, spits it right out. But we're persistent. Carrots are good for you. She wants a vanilla wafer, right? There's not much nutritional value in a vanilla wafer. They taste good. There's not much in it. So we stick with carrots. Well, she starts screaming. She starts pushing the spoon away. She doesn't want anything. She starts throwing a fit. You see, it's a battle of wills, isn't it? Her will versus the will of her father and her mother. She's pretty stubborn. She gets that from her mother. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. She gets that from me. But we keep feeding, keep feeding, and eventually she understands that she's hungry, and this is better than nothing. You, you know what? We don't have to battle for carrots anymore. She'll eat them. You know, sometimes that's how we approach God's will. God says, hey, this is where I want you to walk. And we're like that one-year-old says, I don't want to do that. I, I think this life's all about me. I'm going to do what I want, my will. You can't have it both ways. If you want to know the will of God, understand this. It will all be all about pleasing Christ. That's God's will for us. So we can request it, we can realize it, we rely on the Spirit, and then we walk in it. We move on down. You look at Abraham, you look at guys like Moses and Esther with the battle of the wills. Just look at these heroes in faith. Abraham, he had it made. He was a man of wealth, everything was good, but then what did God tell him to do? Go to a land I'll show you. Leave your family. Go to a land I'll show you. Leave the comforts of home. Go to a land I'll show you. And do you remember Abraham's response? He goes. 
he goes. And, and then you hear in Hebrews eleven eight by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He trusted God's will instead of his own will. You get this with Moses. Look at what Moses gave up. Hebrews eleven twenty four and 27. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. There's a battle of wills there. And Moses goes where God is calling him and doing what God has called him to. What about Esther? Esther is the queen, but she puts her life on the line. Check this out. Esther 4, 14 through 16. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Very important. She's in the position that she's in. Is it for herself, her safety, and her comfort? Or does God have something bigger planned for his people and his glory? Then Esther sent a reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. When you know the will of God, you've got to follow the will of God. What about Jesus? Jesus in 4... John chapter 4, verse 34 says, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. The disciples were astonished at Jesus. He hasn't eaten anything. He's got to eat something. He's got to be nourished. And he says, I've got exactly what I need in the will of my Father, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to complete what he sent me to do. Is that what you're feeding on? Is that what guides your life? The will of God for your life? You see this really clear in the garden. Later on in Matthew 26, 42, he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. You see, you might be sitting here this morning and you're having a battle of wills. God's called you to take up your cross and follow him, and your response is, that's painful. I don't want to leave that. I don't want to lose this. You've got to answer the question of whose will will you follow, yours or God's? We went to uh, Myrtle Beach this past uh, summer. The whole crew went, all six of us. We get in the van. It's about how long? Twelve hours? It's a good day in the van, filled with six people that love each other. We get in the van, we plug in the Myrtle Beach and the GPS, and we go. You want to know what Ava, Balin, Camden, and Dia? They weren't worried about getting to the right place. You want to know what they were worried about? Getting in the van. As long as they were in the van, they knew we'd get to the right place. They didn't ask about what highway are we taking. 
They didn't ask about right turns and left turns. They complained sometimes about my driving. Not too bad. But they weren't worried about all the details. They were just concerned about getting in the van. You see, there's a lot of specifics that we want. Should I move? Should I take a different position? Do I need to date this person? Do I need to make this adventure? Should I go to this spot? Should I attend this church? And I'm, I'm just going through the list of people that I've prayed for them to know what God's will is. So my sister moving to Dallas trying to find a church. You should pray for God's will. Where does God want you to plug in and serve as a body of believers? That's a good thing to pray about. Some of you are considering retirement. What does that look like? That's a good thing to know God's will for that. But you're asking for specific details. This is my encouragement to you because this is what I do. There are some of the specifics that I don't know. If you would have asked me as a middle schooler where I was going to school for college, I would have said UCLA. You know how many times I've been to UCLA? Never. But it looked cool on a website. I ended up going to Thomas More. I didn't know that was where God wanted me. I would not have guessed that my junior year in high school. If you would have told me you're going to date Julianne and get married young, I wouldn't have guessed that. If you would have told me I would have had four girls, I never would have guessed that. If you would have told me you're going to move to Covington and live there for 10 years and be a teacher at Holmes High School, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not think that was God's will. But you want to know what? I didn't know all the details of God's will for my life. But you want to know what I did know? I could trust who was driving the van. And each step, I'm just going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to live for his glory. I'm going to live a life trying to please him in everything I say and do. And you want to know what happens? You find out exactly what God's will is for your life. So you might not know all the details of a lot of decisions coming your way. This is what I encourage you to do. Get in the van. Follow Jesus with the next step and the next step and the next step, day after day, week after week, year after year. And I promise you this, he'll get you to your destination. He will lead you home. I encourage you to find God's will that way and not another way. Middle school, I'm sitting about right here. Hugh, I was you. My friend was Octavia. And on this Sunday, we're looking up there, and there was a choir at our church called Jubilation, high school choir, right? And my friend leaned over and says, hey, I'm going to ask so-and-so out. And I looked at him, I said, man, she's a senior, you're in eighth grade. That's not going to go well. She said, ah, don't worry about it. I prayed about it. And I go, what do you mean you prayed about it? He goes, I asked God if he wanted me to ask her out for her to move her head. I go, man, she's been up there for an hour. She's going to move her head. He saw it was a sign from God. I'm going for it. Well, after the service, he gets the courage finally to ask her. She laughed at him. She said, no. I'm not a babysitter. <laughs> he comes back to me. I go, man, I told you not to ask her. It's not how you discover God's will. You don't shake a magic eight ball and hope for the best. You don't look at a fortune cookie. You get in the van. We know God's will, his revealed will, to love him with everything we got, to love our neighbor, to repent of our sin, to live holy and pure, and pure lives. And as we keep walking with him, we'll know the details to stay with Jesus. So, number one, know God's will. But then, look at the purpose. Why do we know God's will? 
The purpose is explained in verses 10 through 12. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. That's saying the same thing. If you're going to live a life that pleases the Lord, you're going to walk in a way that is worthy of the Lord. Those are the same thing. And, and that's our goal. When we know God's will, okay, so for my life, after I know what God's called me to do, the whole purpose that motivates me to know His will is that I live a life pleasing to Him. Is that your main motivation? We don't use God to get stuff. We know God to please Him. And then there's four ways here where we can please Him in every way. Bearing fruit for every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. If you try to do this in your own strength, you won't make it. But if you rely on His glorious strength, You'll do things that He's called you to do that only He can accomplish. And then finally, and give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. That's the point of knowing God's will. And that's it. To please Him in every way. So, four ways to please Him. Number one, please God through bearing fruit. And we understand this. We under you see this all throughout the Bible. Uh, the four soils. The good soil, the seed that falls on good soil is the one that grows and produces fruit. Produces fruit. The others don't produce fruit. The path, the seed's taken. The rocks, it's choked out. Thorns come in, take it away. But on the good soil, produces fruit. What fruit is your life producing? To the glory of God. What fruit is your life producing? Or, let's keep reading. The vine and the branches, John 15. This is a chapter that we should hide deep in our hearts. John 15, 4 through 5, remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Think about that. The fruit in your life is not so people tell us how good we are, it's to reflect onto Jesus. He's the vine. We're just branches. The fruit that we produce should reflect the vine we're connected to. When you look at your life, who is it pointing to? When you look at your life, who is it pointing to? Is it about your glory? Or does it glorify Christ? You know, it's uh, pretty simple. We went down to uh, Florida. We saw there was an orange tree. You want to know how I knew it was an orange tree? It had oranges. You can always tell what type of tree it is by its fruit. If you want to know if you're living a life pleasing to God, worthy of Christ, Look at your fruit. Is it pointing people back to Jesus? So not only is it deeds to be done, right? That's what Matthew's talking about. Let your light shine before others so that when they see your good deeds, they may give glory to who? Your Father who is in heaven. But it's also about character. You wonder what the Holy Spirit produces in us? Check this out. Fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This is what our lives should be growing in. More and more. This should be our characteristics. Let me know if this is you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Are you more of this as a result of the Spirit being in you? This is some of the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us as we're connected to Christ. We should be more loving the longer we walk with Jesus. We should be more gentle the longer we walk with Jesus. This is fruit that should be growing. It should be evident to others. There's something different about him. There's something different about her because she's in Christ. And the Spirit is producing something in her life. The Spirit is producing something in his life. It shouldn't be hard for people to tell who was a Christian and who was not. As you can tell by their fruit. One way we can please God is through fruit. Another way we can please God is through growing in knowledge of him. Growing in knowledge of him. Philippians 3.8 What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. To know Jesus. That's better than anything this world has to offer. I'll give you a less than example, right? Something less so that something greater is easier to understand. And this is what I mean in the value. In high school, my boys were pretty important in my life. I wanted to hang out with them. Uh, we'd love to play euchre, play cards before Richard Cleet picked on us and bullied us on the euchre card table. We played euchre. We drank a lot of Mountain Dew. We had a lot of fun. But you want to know what? I met somebody my senior year. Met Julianne, started dating her. You want to know what I did? I started to want to know her more than hanging with my buddies. So getting to know Julianne, I learned how to spell her last name. Before it was Brown, it was Lingelbach. Listen, that's a challenge to spell. And Julianne's not a cinch. Learned how to spell her name. I learned her birth date. Learned her address, how to get to her house. I learned what she liked. I learned where she liked to eat, what she liked to do. And it was awesome to get to know her. And for the rest of my life, until death do us part, I'm going to know her better more and more and more. As a mother, as a wife, as a teacher, I'm learning all of this stuff about her, and I love it. There's no one I want to know more than Julianne. Now, as good as Julianne is, that's nothing compared to knowing Christ. And look at the invitation we have. Look at the invitation that we have. You can know him. You can know him. And this is my prayer for you. It's my prayer for myself. That we consider knowing Christ surpassingly great compared to everything this world has to offer. We spend our time doing a lot of things. Learning a lot of things. Getting to know a lot of stuff. But knowing Jesus is surpassingly great. So bear fruit. Know God. And then we get to the, the third, which is relying on the wisdom and strength that the Spirit gives. And we've, we've already uh, hit on this just a little bit in the first section. Please, God, through being strengthened through His glorious might, that's through His Spirit. Zechariah knew this. Re remember when we did Ezra, the sermon series through Ezra? We talked about how it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Now, here's the awesome part. Here's the awesome part. When you rely on God's strength, he never grows tired. He never grows weary. And let me give you two examples. You have Moses. He, he gets to the sea, remember? He's stuck. He has the most powerful army coming to wipe him off the planet. And you have a body of water that you can't get across. What does he do? Does he come up with a plan? Hey, how do we build a quick bridge? What does he do? He looks to God. And God comes through for him. Because Moses was a guy who was going to rely on God, not his own strength. Then you have the example of Samson. 
And Samson thought his strength came from himself. And that led to his downfall. And at the end of the day, you want to know what he learned? He learned it wasn't by his strength or by his power, but through the Spirit. And when he calls on God to fill him with the Spirit one more time, he has his greatest victory. That's a lesson for us. If you're going to please God, I'm not saying for you to try better to be a better person. We have to rely on the strength God provides. And, and then, finally, you see, you give thanks to the Father. Because you understand everything's from Him. We understand everything's from Him. And you see what He did in verses 13 and 14. And this is where we'll close for today. Rescued by the Son of God. Verses 13 and 14 is my prayer for myself, my family, in this city. Check this out. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. You want to know where the name for Redemption Church comes from? It's from this verse. This is what I would love to see happen in Covington. This is what I would love to see happen in Northern Kentucky. This is what I'd love to see happen wherever you're planted by God. That people who are stuck, and you hear the words dominion and kingdom. You're stuck in one of those two places. And who makes the difference? Jesus. Jesus is the one who rescues, who picks you up out of darkness and places you into his kingdom. How does he do that? He does it with a stick. It's a cross-shaped stick. He comes into our darkness, lays his life down, is buried, dead. Three days later, he rises from the grave. And everyone who calls on him will be saved. But that's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning. Those he rescues can know his will and live to please him in every way. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray for wisdom to know your will. And Father, you have something specific for all of us, but right now I pray just for obedience and walking with what you showed us. Father, we thank you for your son in whom we have been rescued. We've been transferred from the domain of darkness. We don't have to live in sin anymore because we've been set free. And Father, if anyone is in here and they have not called on you to save them. I pray that today will be that day. That they'll be transferred from the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of your Son. In whose name we pray. Amen.